0: Coming up tonight, on another episode of the Big Footy Podcast, we talk all about Sunday Night Football, we talk about free agency, and we talk all about the International Cup. All that and more, coming right up. Gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Podcast. As always, it's been a big week in football and joining me tonight to discuss all things, uh, messenger. Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> and uh, Seppo joins us yet again. Seppo
1: Hello Hello and welcome.
0: Um, guys, it has, as I said in the intro, been a big week. What are the uh, what were your highlights from the weekend?
2: Oh look, I think I was very excited that we could shovel dirt on Sunday night football. I think that's a that's a positive. And um really it was a really tight round. It was it was great to see Brisbane get up for John O'Brown and uh and uh that guy that Mike loves, I can't think of his name that was Western Bulldogs who kicks lots of goals but he's got a funny funny name.
1: Funny name. Bunch Pelly.
0: Oh Matt Pelly. Yeah. That's
1: No, my big highlight for the round was um, actually not uh, a game, but during the week we actually signed up Monday to tie up Fife. So we're for for Ferreo, which um, two big midfielders uh, signed on for another couple of years. So that's my highlight for the week.
0: That's good. Was there any interest there, uh, Seppo, from other clubs?
1: Um, Not for Monday, but I believe Fife, I think GWS, was sort of fishing for a big long-term deal in the vicinity of... Um, seven plus years so uh, it's quite interesting to see that uh, they were around but he um, shot that down and um, committed to the club as soon as possible so great to see
0: does seem to be the trend Um, Uh, I mean with the exception of you know Buddy Franklin (laughs)
2: that's charming that's charming you've got of course shackled yourself to Bryce Gibbs for five more years which is tremendous well
0: we did that based on five good games that he played and I think it's going to be worth the effort that's
2: that's, that's uh, Hawthor, Hawthorne player management circuit 20 years ago when uh, Nick Holland got five years on the basis of 18 months of football at and Sunshine.
0: And, yeah, I, uh, I think we did it with Cuda as well. So, um.
1: Yes. <laughs> the, the best thing about the, the length of Fife's contract was actually shorter than what a lot of people expected, but it actually puts him out of contract when he's 25 years old and short of the unrestricted free agency. So... Um, it doesn't actually make him uh, um, you know, an open target to other clubs so we can actually sign him up again and, and lock him away and he'll be able to negotiate a better deal when he's coming out of contract then. So, mm. ideal for us.
0: My highlight from the weekend uh, didn't actually come from the AFL. It came from the VFL, oddly enough. And uh, it, actually from the Foxtel Cup specifically. And Williamstown, who had their flights to Perth uh, delayed or cancelled four times... In the space of eighteen hours, uh, they got to the grand, uh, They got to Perth uh, six hours, uh, four hours before the first bounce. So uh, <laughs> they still won, um, won convincingly, and they'll be in the grand final, of the Foxtel Cup, uh, in a couple of weeks' time. They play West Perth at Simmons Stadium. So, Jolong Ground being put to good use yet again. Be live on Foxtel at eight thirty on Tuesday, the twenty-second of July. Into the round, and uh, well, there's some big news this week. And starting off, I want to ask Messenger this because I know he had very strong feelings about this when we were doing the rundown. Messenger, are Port Adelaide cheating?
2: Well, I'm Jason Dunstall, who is, I think we can all admit, a god upon this earth, <laughs> noticed Jasper Pittard standing behind the goals during a kick in with another ball in his hand. This is, this is nefarious business, Wilkie. This is, not, this is not the spirit of the game. I would think it's time for a visit to the Hall of Mirrors, Port Adelaide. Not good enough.
1: Seppo? Oh, I certainly uh, don't think they're... Um, well, they're treading the, um, the borders of, like you said, the spirit of the game. And I believe someone's highlighted the rules are no player can actually um, take a kick uh, unless the um, point is signalled and the goal square is clear. So, obviously, if Port are going to try this tactics, what the opposition are going to do and be smart is actually get in that area and don't allow them to stretch and bend the rules because, obviously, they can... not sure if they'll be able to touch another ball until the um, other ball's kicked with the live ball in play. So, uh, it's quite interesting to see what they're doing, but um, it's quite easy to put a stop to it. So, now that people have noticed it's been brought out in the light, it'll um, be interesting to see what happens next week.
0: Mm-hmm. Um... No word from the AFL on whether they're investigating it at the moment. It seems to just be motoring along. Do you think also, it's going to be looked
1: at the same level as uh, um, Collingwood's sort of protecting the man in the mark and a bit of shepherding or go to that level? Not a change of of at all. But...
2: Well, there's plenty of teams that still shepherd off the mark. I mean, I, I see that pretty regularly. Hawthorne still do it quite a fair bit. Uh, they've brought that back after a couple of years of not doing it, so... I don't see that they've been paid free, free kicks for shepherding, shepherding them out on the bar. I don't see it much with other teams, I must admit, but I do. I know Hawthorne do
0: it a fair bit now. All coaches are going to push the boundaries of what they can do um, um, until they're told they can't. I mean, Brisbane did it with their uh, sideline side uh, injection things that they were doing. Um, Collingwood did it with their you know, shepherding on the mark, you know. It's not necessarily in the spirit of the game, but yeah, there it is. So yes. we move on. Sunday night footy uh, gone. Apparently, Gillan McLaughlin indicated that uh, last Monday on on uh, on the couch that the future of Sunday night footy very much depended on uh, how Sunday's game against uh, between Collingwood and Carlton went. And let's face it, it was miserable. The lowest crowd at the MCG between the two sides since 1921. Um, to be fair, as people on the forum have pointed out, uh, they didn't really start playing each other at the MCG until uh, the late 90s. So uh, you take that with a grain of salt. But still, it's a very low crowd, 40,000-odd, uh, 40, uh, 49,000, I think. So it's uh, not, not too bad. And then straight after that, almost within the hour, I think Patrick Keane was on Twitter <laughs> basically saying that uh, we, we thought about it And uh, it won't be happening next year. The public have spoken. Uh, Crowds are a priority for us at the AFL. And uh, as such, we're not happy with the turnouts. Uh, We're happy with the TV ratings. It rated over a million, which is pretty damn good. But uh, the crowds just aren't interested. And so the AFL isn't interested. It
1: I wonder like... if, they, if they took the actual Collingwood Carlton game and swapped it with the Western Bulldogs game that was played earlier in the day and actually changed the venue and location teams. What type of a similar result or would we all be sitting here saying, yet Sunday night footies are a failure? So it would be interesting, you know, if the, even if applied to like an Adelaide or a WA game played at a, a similar time slot, they might be beaming into <coughs> you know, Melbourne at. I uh, maybe a bit later than a twilight start on a Sunday, but it, it possibly could work. But obviously, uh, the, the whole reason of you know, Collingwood and Carlton are big pulling membership sides. Um, obviously, the performances on the field haven't been that crash hot this year, but still you'd expect that a big side like that should pull higher numbers than that 40-odd that rocked up.
0: Look, by all accounts, the weather was appalling. It and, was. And Carlton are woefully out of form. They're not threatening for the finals. It's a Collingwood home game. I mean, that's, I, a, that's, I...
2: that's an interesting way of putting it. They're not threatening for the finals. They're not even threatening to win.
0: <laughs> Shut up, messenger.
2: <laughs> not threatening for the finals.
0: <laughs> but all, all all things considered, I mean, the the it wasn't going to draw a big crowd in the first place, so it was going to be under, and you know, throw in the time slot, and it was probably the the straw that broke the camel's back. I, I this would be the equivalent of. You know the Bulldogs getting you know twelve to fifteen thousand out to a game against another Victorian club.
2: But the difference is if if the Bulldogs did that, they'd blame the Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't blame the clubs. Everybody's happy to give Collingwood and Carlton supporters a pass on this, and 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 that's fine. I mean, you you turn up to the games you want to turn up to. I don't think it's such a big deal. But if it was the Bulldogs who who and Bulldogs in Melbourne, who had drawn that sort of crowd at 7-10 on a, on, a, on a Sunday night, the the conversation would not be about the time. The conversation would be about the clubs involved.
1: Yeah. Mm.
0: I thought Eddie Maguire's uh, request for compensation was a little bit uh, cheeky, to say the least.
2: Well, that's based on their budget projections, isn't it? Yeah.
0: But, I mean, he's got to remember, too, that, I mean, Essendon-Carlton was played on a Sunday night earlier in the year. And that drew about twenty thousand less than was expected to. Yeah, um, I mean, he, he's not
1: the only one entitled to compensation for you know, bad fixturing or time slots and fixtures. So yeah, it's it's funny, funny pops that up his head for something like that.
0: In an in an era of equalisation, where the clubs like St Kilda, Melbourne, and uh, the Bulldogs in particular have woefully bad timings on their fixtures, you know, far too many twilight games that Eddie had, or you know. Night, uh, twilight games at the MCG, even as the case may be. Um, you know, for him to turn up and go, Well, you know, we only got 50, you know, 50,000 out to a game that we expected vastly more to is, is, uh, you know, when we want compensation for that, that's not good.
2: Yeah, I, the thing about the the fixture, and this was all based on the fact that there was the start of the Victorian school holidays. Well, the kids might not have to go to school in the morning, but the people who are driving the kids to the game still have to get up and go to work in the morning Mm. as well. And I I just... To me, it just doesn't seem logical that you would say, well, it's Sunday night. I I just think it's too late. I think 4.40 is a bad time slot too, and I'd be pretty happy if that went as well, to be perfectly honest. I think when you get to that late in the the weekend, you just want to be able to clear the slate of football and and do the family thing, so... um, I mean, I don't know. Heavy, you wouldn't obviously Fremantle wouldn't be playing four forty in Melbourne very often,
1: would they? We, we do get that time slot, and in the past we have had the Sunday four forty start, which I don't mind.
2: Is that um, the, as a home game, or is that in in Melbourne?
1: No, that's in Melbourne. So say we played, okay. I think Western Western Bulldogs um, or St Kilda, I think last year at that four forty time slot. So, right. um, and even that earlier, I think there's a three or. Um, 2 o'clock start on a Saturday, sort of the afternoon, so I don't mind it. So, But Sunday, yeah, I'm I'm happy with those later time slots. But the start at 7 o'clock here, by the time you are finished at 10 o'clock, like you said, if, if it's not the kids are at holidays um, for school, you've got people that work and everything. And, and I certainly wouldn't want to go to a game that late on a Sunday, but I'd, I'd be happy with a 4 o'clock start.
0: It is odd because uh, the AFL are saying that Thursday nights appear to have worked and people do have to go to work and school on Fridays. Um, and they, they are going to schedule more Thursday games, but I don't think they're going to be in the one place, like these Sunday night games have tended to be all in Melbourne. Um, I think Adelaide are in particular interested in the Thursday games. So I think we'll see some of those scattered. What I wouldn't mind seeing is if they're going to play games on a Sunday, have a couple of them in Perth, where they're playing them uh, what would be 4 o'clock in the afternoon in Perth and primetime TV in, in Melbourne.
1: Mm, that makes
0: sense. And that would... You, you know, you don't do it every week, so they're not completely screwed over by it, but if you do it three or four times, like they've done with the Sunday night games in Melbourne, um, that that makes sense from a ratings point of view. We know it's a ratings winner. Um, the Perth sides actually get on free-to-air TV for once across the country instead of being limited to pay TV around the country and local TV. I mean, it's a win all round.
2: Well, I mean, we, we have... We play saturday night games uh against each other i I don't see why you couldn't play sunday afternoon games and the saturday night ones Mm. tend to be poorly drawing games and Fremantle and brisbane was one that probably wouldn't have attracted much much support outside wa and uh and queensland but i think that was played at the same time as oh god i'm struggling now but there was a game play being played i think it might have
1: Essendon Adelaide, I think.
2: That's the one, yeah, Essendon yeah. Adelaide. So I don't see why they couldn't do that on a Sunday. We seem to want to have as many games in their own unique time slot. I just don't think it works very well from the, the people who actually want to turn up to the games. All
0: right. The final thing I want to talk about briefly, uh, just an update on the drugs scenario. Uh, the Asada investigation was in court again today um, and will be in court again on Friday, as they try to work out whether the players should be added uh, to the court staff. Messenger, have you been following this?
2: Uh, not this week, no. I, and I must admit, I get uh, a bit boggled by the whole legal intricacies of it. But uh, essentially, what they're trying to say that Asada are trying to say it's not a uh, joint investigation. And. Uh, The AFL is saying it was a joint investigation, and the question is whether that's a legitimate way to hold an investigation. But, um, oh, look, I think uh, soon enough Essendon and James Heard have to uh, answer direct questions about what they actually stuck in these kids, and uh, the rest of it's really just a sideshow.
0: Okay. Um, I don't I don't want to dwell on it very long because there are other avenues if you want to follow the SATA investigation that won't take up as much time as we would to uh, talk about stuff we really don't know enough about, but uh, there are some very big threads in the Hot Topic Board, including one that Malifus is running uh, on the legal side of things where people who are actually lawyers and uh, members of the Big Footy Board are talking about the legal aspects of it if you want to follow that particular thread. um. The other thing, I, the final thing I wanted to talk about before we get into the weekend's games was uh, the International Cup, which is coming up next month, and the fixture for that has been released. Um, guys, do you follow the International Cup at all?
1: No, but I am excited that it's um, coming to Melbourne, and I'll be keen to actually get along and actually see um, one or two of these games, and quite interesting to see I'll be um, supporting Canada for this one, obviously, um, due to the Bigfoot involvement with the the team. Um, but it'll be quite interesting to see the um, the level and, and the way these are mixed squads and, and who's actually coming out from all the different countries. So I'll be keen to get my eyes across all the other different teams and actually have a good look at it and see what type of um, skill levels they're bringing.
0: Well, they've gone for a pool uh, fixture this year, which is interesting in itself, um, and there'll be a number of. Teams that are making an appearance that don't normally make an appearance uh, at the International Cup. uh, Sweden is coming through. Um, Denmark isn't, which is a bit disappointing because they're one of the larger ones. They couldn't get the funding together. Croatia won't be here. They couldn't get the funding together. Uh, New Zealand are definitely coming, although their women's side isn't. Uh, They didn't feel the the women's program was quite, quite up to it yet. Uh, Papua New Guinea will be here as always and uh heavily favored as always uh their women's side pulled out a couple of days ago um so there's a lot to uh there's a lot South Africa are coming France are coming
2: now Pakistan are coming
0: yes and they have a game against India in the third round oh my
2: Bloody hell! We're going to start. We're going to start the Third World War in Royal Park.
0: Actually, I talked to Sadeep Chakraborty, who is the Secretary General of the Indian uh, Australian Football League, or rather the Australian Rules Football Association of India. And he uh, he was looking forward to it. He he thinks that they can, uh, you know, he'd love to get together and have a beer with uh, the Pakistan players after the game. He thinks it will be a tremendous uh, opportunity to uh, foster international relations. So, stick good. that in your pipe and smoke it. And finish. we should... you know.
2: <laughs> I'm just concerned about the welfare of the planet. Okay. Now, matches, we should say that the first matches are on August the 10th. That's right. The... And they have been played at Royal Park. And
0: that... uh, Please go on. It actually starts on August the 9th with a parade of nations at Federation Square. Um, there are 18 countries coming to this International Cup, uh, which is the equal largest amount. Um, there are no, no peace team this time around, I don't think. Uh, I'm doing this from memory because the website's taking a bit long to load. Um, but you've got Ireland, Nauru, Great Britain, Fiji, France, Indonesia, um, Papua New Guinea, South Africa, Tonga, Japan, India, Pakistan, New Zealand, the United States, Canada, Sweden, China, and Finland in the men's department. Women's draw hasn't been released yet, but I can tell you that uh, uh, the teams from that will be the United States, Canada, Tonga, Fiji and somebody else whose name's like... um, Ireland. The United States and Canada will be sending two teams each to make up the numbers. The big three are are probably the favourites for this. That's Ireland, uh, um, New Zealand and... PNG, g Thank you. Um, but uh, Great Britain have come along in some uh, some big strides there, and also uh, uh, the United States are up and about as well. Just on uh, the United States, they're going to be having a discussion about the number of Australian-based players being featured in some sides. Ireland, uh, I believe, are having twelve Australian-based players. Um, Great Britain have fifteen, I believe. Uh, India half their squad is made of players based in Australia, so um, the United States, with no Australian-based players, is quite concerned at the numbers of Australian-based players, and they'll be addressing that at a forum at the same uh, during the uh, Cup. So, so what is so What are the? the, the so yeah, what,
1: what are the requirements here for a player? Do they have to be born you and have actually to be living a, in that country.
0: Okay, you have to be a citizen of the country, and you have to have lived there between the age of ten and sixteen.
1: So do they have a lot of residents in Australia now that have actually qualified and lived in... I
0: know Ireland have a lot of students at the University of Sydney. Um, They're all involved in the the clubs and stuff there. Um, Britain have a few players... uh, The the British sides have a few players that are scattered around the country as well. That's Um, what the Americans
1: say, that these are Australians, so to speak. It's basically saying that they're benefiting
0: far too much from being involved in Australia. Now, whether that's because American players can't get gigs here... Um, There was a brief discussion I had with uh, the United States Revolution coach Matt Bishop uh, this morning um, that was about whether they could actually get their rookie-listed players released by Collingwood. That hasn't happened, uh, just as Hawthorne haven't released theirs to New Zealand. Um, Joe Baker-Thomas, the St Kilda scholarship player, has been released to New Zealand for the International Cup, though. So... uh,
2: I have a feeling, too, that Hawthorne, at least one of the Hawthorne guys is injured. I think uh, is, uh would be unavailable through injury. I'm, well, I think he's like...
0: fully listed, Tatapu, as well, though, isn't he? He's not on the rookie list anymore.
2: Uh, no, Tatapu is an international... Kurt Heatherley is on the list.
0: Okay. Um, but Tatapu is still an international rookie. So that may that may well be the reason. I thought they he's be... not he's not fit,
2: so he wouldn't be able to play. I think he was in a moon boot last I heard. So yeah,
0: well that may that may well be the reason, or Hawthorne could just be a bunch of bastards.
2: Uh, that's quite possible too, and I would support that bastardry. All
0: right. Well, international cup aside, there is a you can follow the international cup at the AFL website or through uh, the Big Footy uh, International Forum. Uh, where we are paying a great deal of attention to All Matters International Cup. I am currently interviewing coaches and administrators to do with these clubs, and they'll be coming up uh, on the Big Footy uh, homepage, and also uh, in the Big Footy forum as well. And you you can also catch them on the international podcast, uh, which will be posted beneath this one uh, when I put this up later on. Anyway, enough of this frivolity. It's time to discuss the events of the weekend. And, uh, we go back to, hmm, Friday night and Geelong played Essendon, guys. Uh, nine-point win to the Cats in the end. How did we see it?
2: They're just, they're just good enough to get out of jail, Geelong, aren't they? They—they. It's just the old the old heads and calmest, calmest under pressure that, that gets them there with these sort of games. But, um... They're not, they're not
1: what they were, but they're, they're still pretty good. I suppose the Essendon did put on a good third-quarter fight, and you think that once Geelong were pushing away, they never really looked convincing in the way they're playing these games recently. So obviously that narrow win was enough to get them over the line, but it's, it's something to show that Geelong aren't all the dominant side that they once were, and um, Essen, you know, the margin sort of um, flatters them a bit, but um, it just shows that, you know, Geelong are defeatable, they're not invincible anymore and um, Essendon really did put on a good fight to not let that get game get away
0: mm. Saturday afternoon Hawthorne played the Gold Coast messenger, you must have been breathing a relatively good sigh of relief during this game
2: oh, i tell you what, Gold Coast were very good in the first quarter but um, as soon as Hawthorne got first to the ball it was, uh, they broke away from them very quickly dreadful weather, absolutely horrendous weather conditions down there. It was poured for most of the game. Very cold, but, um, look, Hawthorne did what they needed to do. They are pretty impressive. Um, unfortunately, Rioli's gone down with yet another hamstring injury. I think I'm, I can count six that is now for his career, and uh, it's the second on, uh, on the uh, the left hamstring. He's had four on the right. Um, so, really, if you say the... Uh, the desired result is four points and no injuries. well.
0: One out of two ain't bad, unfortunately. Mm. All right, St Kilda played Richmond also on uh, Saturday afternoon. Richmond getting a much-needed win over the hapless Saints, uh, forcing the Saints uh, to the bottom. And uh, Richmond just off the bottom there. Uh, a big win in the end, 34 points. How did we uh, see this one, Seppo?
1: Um, I saw that Cochin looked at... It. Like he's um back to his best, and he's been down on form a bit. So it was nice to see that he got on the end of a couple, and um I think kicked about four or five goals. So it was great to see that he's finally stepped up. But do you call them now, uh, you know, downhill skiers and beating up on the easy teams because they certainly haven't been putting on good performances. But Richmond just doing enough to obviously get that. It's not a massive margin, but probably one of biggest of the round other than the Gold Coast result.
0: Mm, a lot of close oh. games over the weekend.
1: Yeah. That was,
2: I mean, Richmond can't take it. St Kilda are terrible. Uh, Richmond are just slightly less terrible. Mm. Yeah,
0: the Western Derby or Derby, depending on where you're from, was played on Saturday afternoon as well. Fremantle just getting over the top of West Coast in the end. Seppo. Uh seven point winners.
1: It was a quite interesting game. Eagles dominated early. Um, we put on a bit of a clinic in the third to get out close to a nearly a forty point lead, but. Took the foot off the gas a bit and um, I'm surprised we did that well um, without key defenders. So we didn't have McFarlane and Johnson out there. and We were up against the probably biggest, tallest forward line in the league. Um, And we did have a couple of odd matchups that the guys were questioning at the uh, selection table. But they obviously ran through it and our midfield stepped us and got us the result. And it's quite interesting to see the Eagles push back in the fourth quarter. Got a lead halfway through, but we pushed out it again and then just took the foot off again. So... (laughs) <laughs> we just scraped the results, so that seven-point margin could have quite easily been a, a 20 or 22-point margin, not for the last two or three goals that they scored. Mm.
0: And uh, Messenger, Sydney played GWS on Saturday night, getting up over them by 46 points.
2: As as we've discussed a number of times, this was uh, on my Brian Taylor standard definition Saturday night ban. <laughs> um, I, I no longer watch Brian Taylor call games on Channel 7 because... <laughs> I'm going to break many, many expensive televisions doing it, so I'll confine
1: my comments to Brisbane and North.
0: Okay. Seppo, did you see the game?
1: No, I'm uh, in the same camp there as uh, Messenger, and I'm glad I actually missed out on this one, because, boy, who wants to listen to BT? Yeah, exactly.
0: I I thought Messenger would have watched his beloved uh, Lance Franklin. but Stop it. Apparently apparently not. Please
2: not. (laughs) Child, please,
0: please. The Brisbane Lions played North Melbourne, uh, getting up over them by four points in a game that you would have thought North would have had to win to uh, ensure its uh, finals credentials. But uh, in the end, not to be. Messenger.
2: Oh, Brisbane are fun to watch. They they, they uh, particularly at home. They they take on the game. They they run well. But North, 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 North. You're just going to shake your head. They, that that's terrible. They they should never ever. This is a team that's won in Sydney, they've beaten Fremantle and Perth, and they can't beat Brisbane in Brisbane. And for the life of me, I cannot work out how they, they coughed that one up. Terrible.
1: Mm-hmm. I suppose it's great that Brisbane got up for um, Brownie's retirement there. They, um Obviously, he didn't get a chance to play, but they certainly put on a good show and, and good fight, and he'll certainly be missed. But like I said, Brisbane are exciting to watch. When I... um. Ever catch one of their games, and providing it's not um, one where they're missing half their side, they're actually quite competitive and play a good brand of footy. So it was good for them to actually get up and win at home for them.
2: Steph, to... I, re- I reckon that there must be the biggest gap between home form and road form of any team in the league. They are. I watched them play Fremantle a couple of weeks ago, where they were just it was hopeless. Were, it was they were hopeless. It's hard to believe that that same group of guys, or roughly that same group of guys, then got up and won that game the following week because they were abysmal at Patterson Stadium two weeks ago. And this
1: is... The, I've seen a stat. That... get
2: pulverised. They go to Adelaide.
1: Sorry? I think I've seen a sat to say that Pierce Hanley has the biggest differential of home and away performances this year, and that's one thing that shows that their performances at home are, um, are pretty pretty good this year, and what, what you've just said is they've set up some crap away.
0: Oh, they do. Horrendous. It's just a pity that a crowd of only 15,000 showed up for Brownies. Uh, farewell. Yes. Sunday, mor- uh, Sunday afternoon, rather. the Western Bulldogs played Melbourne uh, in another close game. A goal in it in the end. The Bulldogs running out over the top 14 to 13-7. Um, thoughts?
1: And the goal that was in it was, I reckon, one of the goals of the year. So if you haven't watched it, check out Bontempelli's goal because it's certainly one of the ones that, you know, featuring a lot of highlights reel and probably being Bulldog's membership package drive next year <laughs> um, for them because it was um, a yeah, piece of art.
2: So do Melbourne from here, do they
1: still win
2: a f- snatch a few between now and the end or do we think that maybe there's a, there. slide, there's a slide about to happen? Because this is... You know, the last eight or nine rounds, perhaps the, the stings has got out of the season for them. That's a question you could ask any number Watch of the teams.
1: Performances. They're, they're certainly slowing down, and the young kids are, are feeling it now, and, you know, they've lost Cross for a bit, some of their older heads, but um, maybe it is, you know, taking its toll, but you expect them to still get their, you know, game plan in place, and maybe it is a bit of t- um, tired and fatigue. It could be something to do with their training regime off the track, but, you know, heavier loads and everything but you expect Melbourne to still be competitive you know, it was close, they could have got the win and, and then you'd say how well Melbourne are doing to grind it out, because I think Bulldogs are starting to improve, so it's not really indictment on Melbourne, it's the fact that Bulldogs
0: are getting better What, yeah. what a pity Mike isn't here to talk about this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Sunday afternoon as well, Adelaide played Port Adelaide in another hard-fought showdown or as some people are referring to, Adelaide versus The Cheats and um, this game in the end was one of the larger margins of the round. Adelaide winning out winners by uh, 23 points in the end.
1: It was quite interesting to see that Port didn't actually finish strong. It was the other way that they fade away. And um, the Port's trademark mood of finishing strong went the um, opposite direction. And it's great to see Adelaide got that win because it means Port gets off the top of the ladder and a bit of a bit of a grounding for the supporters because it wasn't like the way that um port have been seen to be you know top notch and i'm actually glad that hawthorn are back at the top of the ladder and um yeah port just got a bit of a reality check here and i think they're now coming back to earth
2: Mm. i i backed a couple of weeks the last time i was on the podcast we were talking about who'd snatched to get into the eight. i was the one who said adelaide i've staked McLean. They're they're, they're good things, I reckon.
1: Well, they're sitting ninth at the moment. They've um, got the chance to get another win this week and and push on. There's a
2: couple of teams there at the the lower end of the eight who might be uh, starting to struggle for a bit of uh, steam. So we'll see.
0: All right, Sunday night, uh, the last Sunday night game, hopefully, will be uh, Collingwood-Carlton. This game was... Appalling from a Carlton supporter's perspective, but uh, Collingwood run out over the top by 15 points. Um, it was got... a pretty
2: yuck game, really, wasn't
0: it? It was, uh, it was, it was a mis- miserable conditions, miserable crowd, miserable everything.
1: Can you, can you give me any highlights? I've missed this game, Wookie. Surely you can look at Carlton's performance I... and say there was a yeah, well, nice, you know, either competitive or some players stood up for once.
0: Look, by all reports, we were competitive enough. But it's competitive in the sense that both teams were pretty crap. So but
2: just just on a one thing, that Adelaide and Port just to compare contrast here Adelaide and Port that was a fantastic game played in front of a full house, screaming fans. I mean you live in Adelaide Bookie, you would know what Adelaide is like on showdown day. Unfortunately, yes. Compare that to Carlton Collingwood, which has been historically a great rival. Be really, I'm struggling to think of the last decent Collingwood Carlton game I've seen. Really, mm. like, I'm just wondering whether this rivalry is not quite what it.
0: I think it's. I in all honesty, and this has been discussed on the forums recently as well. But I think, in all honesty, it just simmers. It simmers below the surface, and it is. It's it's like a volcano as it were the pressure just sits there and then at some point it will erupt again in the future it's a bit like Essendon and Carlton you know or Richmond or like the semi final last year between Richmond and uh, sorry the elimination final between Richmond and Carlton last year these these things just simmer below the surface and then once you get to these the the right point in time all the history all the bluster comes out and it's as, it's just as ferocious and just as feral as anything you'll find between Adelaide and Port, or even Fremantle on West Coast. Yeah. The problem you've got with Fremantle on West Coast and, and Adelaide and Port is it's all based around who got there first, and who's won the most premierships in the last 20 years between the two. Carlton and Port, uh, not Carlton and Port, Collingwood and Port, Adelaide and Essendon and Richmond and... Even to a lesser extent, Hawthorne and, and Geelong and clubs like that they its all about the time they've been in. So their stuff goes back into the mists of time, and it, it gets diluted over that period. And in time, the Adelaide and you know the Adelaide and Port and Fremantle and West Coast ones—they may well get the dilution as well. But two team uh, two teams in one city, and as opposed to you know four teams in one city out of ten. And, I mean, uh, you just
1: wonder how long it would take before you get the same comparisons and you can put the Battle of the Bridge or the Q Clash into the same breadth of the uh, showdown and the derby. Because at, at the moment, those two, the showdown and the derby, are the two that really stick out as a nice rivalry.
0: I, I think that Q Clash, if they can actually... If it wasn't for the goddamn stupid name it has, <laughs> and if Brisbane were in slightly better form, that Q Clash is going to develop over the years... GWS in Sydney that might take a little bit longer. But I mean you only have to look at Hawthorne and Geelong. Yeah. That that's a that's a 20-year rivalry. Yeah. I mean that's yeah. you know that's that's not something that's got the his, it's not a historical one. It's not based on you know whether someone who you know in 1909 whether the club you know the club captain worked for a butcher who locked all the other players in the freezer so they couldn't make the grand final. Yeah. You know it, it's it's but, it doesn't start with stuff like that. It, you know, it's yeah. not based around Neil Baum decking people in in the seventy three grand final. But,
2: but what it does have over the last five or six years, particularly, is some terrific games. And, exactly and that's it. the thing. And that's the thing about current Collingwood is rarely do you watch a game and think, "Oh, this is a great game." You think, "Oh, God, it's it's uh, a lot of them uh, very poor football games." Mm. Mm.
0: So. I mean Hawthorne and Geelong's the benchmark at the moment for mine. Adelaide and Port is up there, and Frio and West Coast has its moments as well. But if you want to have a look at a rivalry that you know has sprung up out of and and they've all come up around the same time. I mean uh, Port Port and Adelaide are around a 20 year rivalry as well. Frio West Coast around the same time. So these are all the new era of rivalries. It's the AFL era, if you like. <laughs> and um, you know, good, the more rivalries you can have, the better. And you know, they won't be supplanted by these older ones. They'll just add to the mix that is the AFL. And in time, you know, Richmond and Carlton will come back into form and, you know, you'll have these big games against Collingwood and Essendon where, you know, you'll still get eighty to ninety thousand at the MCG. And they'll still be big games and someone will say something stupid and then it'll set it all off. <sighs> That's how it works. That's how it's always worked.
2: People saying stupid things at football games. I, I can't imagine
0: when that would occur. <laughs>
1: Richmond Carlton one, you're guaranteed that happening. But what you need is the on field action to match all the stuff that happens off field.
0: Exactly with that rivalry. So some some matches will uh, you know, Port and Adelaide. They they you know they can they've got such uh, events as uh, the big punch up at the Ramsgate. and uh, <laughs> you know lots of lots of other little bits of animosity that have occurred over the years, not least the way the Crows were founded and the way Port was founded. I mean, that's a, that's a deep-seated hatred there that um, that's not going to go away in a hurry. Free Arm West Coast? Ah, it's a little bit more manufactured for mine. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's there. It exists. And it works for them.
2: It doesn't quite feel quite as visceral
0: as the showdown. No, no. The showdown has real animosity. Yeah. Anyone who's spent any time in football circles in South Australia knows that there is real issues behind that thing. As real as anything that happened between Collingwood and Carlton. It is it is a, that that is a rivalry that's not going to go away any time soon. Anyway, the latter for the round. And uh as uh Seppo said Hawthorne have moved to the top, which will please Messenger. They've got North Melbourne next round, um, so good, not, not seeing not Feels seeing good. not seeing a lot of changes there. Well, um, but
2: the truth of the matter is, uh, it's I don't know why we're on top because according to the media, we can't win, so we be no good.
0: Only three losses so, for the year, so yeah, and it is only percentage, mind win. you. It's not oh. uh, it's percentage ahead of Port and the Swans. You're all on the same level of wins and losses, so. Uh, that's that's going to be fascinating. Come the end of the year, <laughs> and, uh, yeah.
2: That's that's oh
0: dear. And Fremantle and Geelong, uh, they're coming in fourth and fifth. They're on the same points. It's all it's uh, just a big percentage gap between Fremantle and Geelong. Collingwood uh, and uh, well, Collingwood outright uh, sixth. North Melbourne and the Gold Coast in seventh and eighth on the same wins and losses. And a little bit of percentage gap there for North. North have got Hawthorne this week. Uh, I would almost say that they would lose that, but we'll cover that in a minute. Gold Coast have got Collingwood. Um, I'm not sure where those games are being played. I'll check the fixture shortly. Like you said, uh, Messenger, Adelaide are um, a chance to get in. They've got GWS. They're sitting equal with Essendon in 9th and 10th with 7 and 7 apiece. And the Eagles... In uh, uh, in eleventh with six, the Bulldogs obviously enough with uh, in twelfth spot with five. Richmond, Carlton, Melbourne, GWS, Bri- and Brisbane all taking up between thirteen and seventeen with four wins, and St Kilda on the bottom with three. So, and a terrible percentage, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's an abominable percentage.
2: It's it's a it's a it's a uh... Northern Football League
1: percentage. It's, it's, um, it's almost like Fitzroy in their last year. I think they finished up with a fifty fifty three 53%, I think, from that, memory.
0: That may well be the case. Um, but, yes, that's, that's all 59.6%. And uh, five losses in a row, possibly more. I can't remember when their last win was. So, yeah. And they've yeah. got Carlton uh, this week. So, Carlton might hopefully get a win, which would be good. Anyway... Uh, yes. the under 18s are on at the moment uh, If for those wondering about the draft WA appear to have beaten Vic Country which for anyone who saw WA pass, play last week is something of a miracle given WA were appalling against Vic Metro uh, mm. <laughs> but the South Australians probably still favourites I think to uh, take out the championship
2: so Wookie I, I will put my hand up right now and say I know I do not follow the draft at all. I wouldn't know Joe Blow from from anybody in this thing. Are we talking about a good draft, bad draft, ordinary draft?
0: Honestly, I don't know, and we're going to get some people on to talk about that next week because it's it, we're going to be starting looking at that and see who's worth tanking for, I mean, drafting for. Um... But, yeah, I honestly don't know enough about the draft. I'm hoping to get SJ on or someone like that who knows more about that sort of thing than Ooh. I do. But, yeah, the under-18s is currently on at the moment. And uh, these things are going well, by all accounts. Uh, New South Wales beat Queensland in the under, in the Division 2, uh, which no one cares about. But uh, Isaac Heaney, who is the subject of uh, some controversy at the moment between Collingwood and Sydney, uh, because the Swans will probably be able to claim him, even though no one else knows anything about him through the academy system in Sydney. So, some oh. issues there to be worked out with uh, academies and whatnot. 9.8% better. <laughs> that, that, that Franklin thing still stings, doesn't it? It's Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> all right moving into around 16 we have seven rounds to go i think this year it's a 23 round season <laughs> buys are coming up again look forward to that folks oh really God. yeah that's what two rounds of buys this year i believe okay north melbourne hawthorne friday night at eddie head stadium messenger oh
2: they bob up and down north melbourne and they never they have a good one followed by a bad one, and. So, in theory, this should be a good one for them. Hawthorne's record at had is really quite good now. I, I don't recall the last time we lost there. So, you would think Hawthorne will be favourites, but I'm always wary of North. They've pushed us pretty close the last uh, last couple of matches.
0: Interesting game coming up Saturday afternoon. Richmond and Brisbane at the MCG.
2: Interesting in a... what sort of a way? Interesting oh, in a...
0: Both teams are level on the same number of points. They're both, uh, um, uh, you know, it's a battle between teams that are fighting it it's out. It's one of those
1: games where you look at which, which Richmond... It's the battle for Richmond 12, lock, all right. And um, if so, it's, it's a 50-50 game. I can see Brisbane getting up if they um, send across a good team and Richmond don't perform as usual.
0: If, if Brisbane win by about 20 goals, they could make it into 12th spot.
2: If Brisbane win by one point, they could get Damien Hardwick sacked.
0: Well, <laughs> it, it, quite you've seriously, they've got
2: to wonder how great. much life's left there, don't you? Uh, you'd have you'd have to wonder, but that is you
1: bet the coast at most risk based on performances this year. So oh, though. absolutely!
0: It'd be uh, diabolical if they lost to Brisbane at home. If North Melbourne lose on Friday night, Adelaide's chances open up. They have GWS at Spotless Stadium in Sydney on Saturday afternoon. Danger game, fellas. No, no.
1: Adelaide would do that comfortably, coming off some good form at home.
0: Mm. I think this is a danger game. I'm predicting an upset here Ooh. myself. Uh, yeah. GWS, I think, could... It'll be close, but I think GWS could get over this one. Uh, also, Saturday afternoon, late Saturday afternoon, Gold Coast have got Collingwood at Metricon Stadium. Oh,
2: this... how will Brett McCaffer go harvesting up the the umpire's pet Gary Ablett? It'll be... <laughs> I I would think having watched Hawthorne play both these teams recently I would have this is neck and neck this one but Collingwood could find themselves slipping into some jeopardy if they lose this Mm. they actually lost Gold Coast
1: last year didn't they they did lose up that game last year yeah so this is where one would actually probably tip Gold Coast based on home form and, and the way they've been traveling and Collingwood have been unconvincing. You know, they scraped over the line against Carlton, you'd say, and Gold Coast have been quite competitive and it all depends if Gary Abbott's going to come in injured because it looked like he did pick up a bit of a knock last week, but yeah. providing they've got a good midfield, they'll um, test Collingwood and add home on an afternoon dewy ground up at Metricon. It's always plays into their favor. I'll tip and, Mitchell.
2: so Sorry, and no Jamie Elliott for Collingwood, leading goal scorer. Mm.
0: Yeah, I'd I'd have to tip Gold Coast based on the fact it's a home game. They're in good form at home. Um, Collingwood weren't that convincing on the weekend. So, uh, yeah, upsets for the expansion sides for me. So, Mm. Melbourne Fremantle in Darwin Darwin. on uh, Saturday night. So... uh,
1: one thing that amazed right. me about this game is this one at the start of the year that I was excited when the fixture came out, going beauty. There's a game up in Darwin. I've never been to TO Stadium. I might cross this one off my um, grounds bucket list. But once I saw the prices to actually fly from Melbourne up to Darwin and the price of accommodation up there during dry season, um, I think it's school holidays at the moment, it's just phenomenal. I think it was a, nearly 1800 to get from Melbourne to there, for, say Jeez. a couple of days and get back. So it's... Um, Going to be quite interesting. I reckon there'll be a low crowd there. It's, um, it's not it too dry season, so or... it won't be bad conditions up there. You be, could um... fly
2: to Los Angeles for that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's so. pretty appalling. Um,
2: who's going to win? And, oh well, here's the question: Will Melbourne kick more than seven goals? Oh, well, that's a good question.
1: I say no. It, not against out against defense, Fremantle. Against
0: no way. No, no, you'd have to expect Fremantle winning this one. This, this will be a World Cup proportion goals scored, I think.
2: <laughs> I I tell you what, it'll it'll be some very 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 sad Melbourne forwards at the end of this game. Mm.
1: You can almost predict um, a couple of articles written by you know the state of the game and, and lack of goals scored after this, and the game hasn't even played yet. Mm. Ross lines killing football, etc. etc. E. Ross? Both of them killing. It's a double. Double negative. Hopefully
0: it turns into a positive. All right. Also, sad don't I, Port Adelaide have got Essendon in one of the better matchups of the round at Adelaide Oval. No, it's not,
2: because Port Adelaide are going to absolutely poleaxe Essendon. (laughs) No, this is... I'm sorry. Essendon are a... They are 10th on the ladder. They are not that good. Port are going to smash them.
0: They're at the same level Adelaide are. And I'm not one to defend Essendon, but they are nope. they are on the exact same number of wins and losses as, as Adelaide are, and you're predicting Adelaide could be finalists.
2: This is, this is in the running for the Avert Your Eyes children game. <laughs> Avert Your oh, Eyes. No. Oh, it could be one of those games, you know. No, I, I'm, 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 I'm saving...
1: I think it's going to be a lot closer, like the 20 to 30 point margin towards Port, not one of those 10-goal-plus... No, no. Port will come it's up it. fired up because obviously losing the, the showdown last week is going to hurt them, and obviously at home they don't have to travel. They'll be fired up, and you think Essendon another week of off-field dramas will play on their minds a bit. But like, you expect Port to win, but not by a huge amount because Essendon are still quite competitive. They've got some you know good players still out there. You know they have lost Job and a couple of others, but they're, they're going alright. Essendon.
2: They they give Port ten minutes. They won't be able to see see them. It'll be this is
0: this is going to be twelve goals. I, I think Port will win this by six goals. I don't think yeah. it'll be a massacre, but I think they'll win anyway. Um, Carlton have St Kilda at Etihad Stadium oh, Sunday afternoon, and what'll be a rip-snorting battle, mano oh. a mano, all over the field. You know, it'll be like.
1: This is going to be exciting for yeah. one club, both of them coming off what, five or six game <laughs> losses, I think, their streak.
0: It'll be a titanic struggle of the true giants of the game.
2: This will be the combined record of 7-21.
1: and 21. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going to throw money on a draw now. I, one, one goal each.
2: <laughs> now, I, I have this theory, Seppo, that we, we discussed a couple of weeks ago. that, that car- This is no accident, what, what's happening to Carlton. This is a gentle slip down the ladder for a high draft pick. And I think this will be the canary in the mineshaft. Are we playing the... the What's What's their kid's name? The Heaney? Is this the Heaney No, club? no,
0: no. We're playing for Durden, I think. Uh, the South Australian forward, big man. If we're not, then we're idiots, in my opinion. <laughs> this, this well, there's the...
1: bonuses. There's not only um, draft picks, but now you've got that fixture to finish the bottom six is a benefit rather than the middle six. Oh, so you right. think they'll be pushing for that as well?
0: That's <laughs> so... Yes. We're fixture tanking. That's why yeah. you're,
2: you're going for a soft draw next year. Right, look, Carlton must win it. So the, the bottom's fallen out of St Kilda. It's not pretty. Yep. Uh, but if Carlton don't win this, it's very, very sad.
1: This is a game where I can actually see St Kilda winning. Not that they've got any other chance through. I reckon the rest of the year. This is a game that I think Carlton can cock up their chance oh, to is... break their losing streak.
2: The, the the comedy value of this game is extremely high. Don't get me wrong,
0: but,
2: but if St Kilda win, it'll be a complete laugh riot. It'll be fantastic, yeah, but yeah, can't we, we, win.
0: we may not have a podcast next week if that happens. <laughs> Sunday afternoon, West Coast have got Sydney at Patterson Stadium. Oh. Uh, I saw an article in the paper today asking if they could rekindle the rivalry of two thousand and six. No. No. I think it's well gone past that. (laughs) I think
1: the result's not even going to be close for this one. I think Sydney will dominate and it won't be like anything like that.
0: It is in in Perth. It's the only thing in favour of West Coast here.
2: Sydney's record at Patterson Stadium is pretty good, Mm. particularly against the Eagles. Even when West Coast were good, Sydney often won there.
0: Mm. 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 Geelong have got the Western Bulldogs in what I believe should have an R rating put up outside Skilled Stadium on Sunday afternoon. Don't take your children, folks. Avert your eyes during the rude bits. Messenger.
2: Now, I I can see your point, and I'm, 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 I'm intrigued by the possibility of this being an avert your eyes game. But the the young, brave bulldogs, young Bonta, what's his name, and, and all those young, young up and comers. Do you think they'll be crushed by the up beneath the wheel of the Geelong, the slowing Geelong juggernaut?
0: No. Oh, Ge- Geelong need percentage now to get uh, to get to the top of the ladder. Um, if they can even do that. This
2: has sort of got the seven, eight
0: goals written on it, doesn't it? It, mm. it, it makes it interesting. Um,
1: I think this is one where you'll probably see the Bulldogs come out and fight. Like they say, these young kids will have something to prove and coming off a, a win and they'll fight for a bit, but it'll be Geelong it, it, It's just Geelong
0: twilight ahead. at Skilled Stadium. You're There's no way on. the Bulldogs run away with a win on this. It's, it, it, It'll be competitive. if Jones may get frostbite. Competitive mm-hmm. first half. Yeah. You then, might see them uh, win a quarter or something like that. Geelong will flog them in the second half. I'm calling ten goals at least on this. Oh really? Oh dear.
2: This is this is. Mike will not be pleased.
0: But <laughs>
2: <That's it. laughs> he's currently. He'll listen to this in Singapore and he'll scrunch up his fist and shake it at the sky. <laughs>
0: Damn you, Wookiee! Damn you to hell! It'd be that Simpsons thing old man shakes hand at cloud.
2: I wore an onion on my belt. <laughs> All
0: right, um, that's pretty much it this week. Uh, the last item on the agenda Mick Mulhouse talking about free agency. Uh, says that it will create a two tier league. Uh, players seem to be going when they are going. They're going to play, uh teams that will give them a, well, what they believe will give them a, a general shot at, uh, at a flag at some point. I don't know how Daisy Thomas explains that theory, but um, you know.
2: Well, Wookie, uh, just to discount this because I, I, I'm not convinced at all that free agency is the boogeyman. How many free agents are there coming up at the end of this year?
0: What am I calculator? Um, well, I'll
2: tell you what. There's fewer than ten. Mm. So, what boogeyman is it really? And who's and they've all resigned with their own teams. Well, Fife's staying, Gibbs is staying at Carlton despite everyone's best judgment. Mm. Um, players are staying. They're using yes. the leverage by and large to stay at their teams.
0: How did that work out with Franklin?
2: Let's not go into that.
0: <laughs> so, exception that disproves the rule, or well, that's but that's one example. That's, Tip it. that's One example. That's two examples.
2: <laughs> Thomas he got pushed out too because they were salary cap cheats. Thomas.
0: Yeah, just bad judgment. I'm just, I'm just yeah. saying there are three examples now. I'm sure. Sure,
2: but yeah. would you, would you put it this way? If you were a Collingwood supporter, would you have wanted Dal Thomas at your club at that money?
0: No, I don't even want really to count at that money. Um, That's right. But so, look, at, look at it this way. James Frawley is still, still hasn't signed at Melbourne, right? Now, Melbourne aren't going to play finals for years. Mm-hmm. And he's a good player. Sure. Now, he's going to end up... I think he'll leave. I think he will leave Melbourne and end up at a, either mid-tier or higher club that will sure. offer him the money that he needs. And that doesn't help the, lower, the lower-tier clubs develop because what will happen is these players won't stay. They'll go somewhere where they have at least a remote prospect of success.
2: And I'm looking at an article now where Melbourne has just re-signed Jesse Hogan.
0: Well, Jesse Hogan has barely played a game.
2: Yes, but Jesse Hogan is bucking the trend. He's doing exactly what Frawley
0: wouldn't do. Yeah, but these are players that have been playing for like two or three years. You're talking about your seven-year veterans that are actually eligible for free agency.
1: Yeah, I suppose the point that um, Malthouse raises is even if you are sort of trying to build your own and you get more money because free agents leave to build up your list is once those players get good enough are they going to shoot off and not want to stick around with once your you know your skills and everything increase on a on a list to become more of a you know premiership window? Do do they pick up and leave once you've invested that time that you you the cash and everything that you've had left over from other people leaving? You know, what you know, Goddard and Dalsano have left the Saints, but you know, what do they put into the players that are staying there? Are they going to pick up and leave by the time that they've Goddard four, left four for examples.
0: Money, four examples now, Messenger. Goddard left for money. Del Santo five examples. Da- Del Santo was pushed out. There's still five examples. Five. He was pushed exam- out by his own football club. He was five. traded.
2: He's not a free agent. He was traded. <laughs> I think you'll find free agency will by and large be used by the people who are delisted. They'll be used by mid tier guys who'll be see far more Clinton Young's using free agency than you will lance franklin's yeah Fair enough. and that's and that's you know that that's true. but you have a look at at the way the nba works and there's 131 free agents and you've probably heard of four of them yeah that's true and 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 these guys get get basically the scraps at the end of the list and that's yeah. the best so, thing. That's
1: what the AFL PA wanted is the opportunity for the players to you know get their opportunity and you know, test the market and get themselves to another club. So it's not a really about you know, picking off the best talent in the league. It's giving those individuals the best opportunity to play and get games. So it'll be interesting to see, once you're talking about those Clinton Young types, that how many of those moves. Like, Sylvia could be considered one. He hasn't obviously had the best start to Freo, but he's, he's made it there and he's getting the opportunity.
2: But, I mean, the biggest anachronism they've fixed with free agency is this whole pre-season draft, where a player could be out of the club not be never going to play another game for them, but the club still gets to trade them a week before their contract expires. I mean, that is utterly ludicrous. Yeah, it is. It's is utterly ludicrous. So you know what they say? We don't want you or you want to go. That's fine. You should be able to choose where you go. These guys have committed, and I think it'll all free up. If they get rid of the compensation pick, it will free up, and clubs will perhaps trade more liberally where they've got other avenues to to recruit talent, uh, and this will become a storm of a teacup in a couple of years. It really will. Yeah. And I'm talking about... And, and, and I'm talking as a supporter of a team that lost perhaps one of the best 10 players that ever played for any club. And he still so feels... The gospel, it,
0: honestly, the still, still feels feel
2: it in Hawthorne his heart. Well, yeah, but the, the thing about, Haw- about Hawthorne is that they said, well, they had the opportunity to match it. And, and the money was, per year on average, was about the same, but they said, well, we can't blow our salary cap out of the water to pay a bloke to stay for nine years. Yeah. So
0: you've
2: got to have the clubs have got to make still, ultimately, it's not about what sort of concessions and help you can give them. Clubs have got to make good decisions and they've got to make brave decisions. And sometimes the decision is, you know what, you want to go for that money for that long, go.
0: Yeah.
2: We can build a team. We can back
0: ourselves to build a team without you. Okay. And look, that's going to wrap it up for tonight.
2: Here endeth the sermon.
0: <laughs> here endeth the lesson, as it were. Um, yes. We are going to be back next week. We're going to talk about the draft next week um, and the players that are involved. So the fellas here will do some research and sure. perhaps watch some of the highlights and things. Um, sure. You can check out the Big Footy draft. Uh, trade and draft board uh, for more information on that ahead of time and we'll be back next week to talk about that as well if you're on the big footy board, pay attention to the Hot Topic board if you want to know more about this SATA stuff, we don't really want to talk about it here anymore so it's uh, you know up to you guys to do your own look, search on that
2: Drugs are bad kids <laughs> don't, let, don't let Uncle James
1: take you into his paddle van
0: Alright and uh, so, thank you very much for coming on tonight, Seppo.
1: No worries. Thanks for having me on once again.
0: And thank you very much uh, for coming on with your kids, messenger. Uh, young young Elliot was thrilled to be here. And your squeaky chair, <coughs> and, and your and your rickety old keyboard. I, I swear, you've got like a typewriter or something just hooked up to a monitor, haven't you?
2: Uh, I'm not actually. I'm not actually uh, talking into a
0: computer at all. Fair enough. Fair enough. Alright, that's good night for me. I've been the Wookie. Um, thanks for listening. We'll see you all on the forums.